KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon uh, for the next two hours on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us. Hope you can stay with us as we take you up until noon. Nice job out of you, Trent Condon. Tomorrow should be okay. I have no idea what your Thursday morning update is going to include, <laughs> uh, as that is the slowest day maybe in on the of the three hundred and sixty five that comprise the year. Although I guess coming up we've got three sixty six. But yep. uh, anyways, um, ESPYS. Yeah. Maybe uh, a call from Ross Peterson as his Des Moines East Scarlets oh, take on sure. Ankeny Centennial. Yeah, you guys can fill that up. I saw that you, uh, I heard rather, and see that you put in uh, some of your play by play last night. A little sl- self serving there. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, on, a, on a day, on a morning like this one, when you've got two minutes that you have to fill and there's nothing going on in the world of sports, good for you uh, for doing that. Um, Coming up on the program today, Mike Mahon. Of course, there's a huge track and field uh, event coming up here at the end of July. Mike's uh, involved on that. Of course, Mike, long time uh, SID at Drake, although I believe he left the left that gig right over the maybe on the heels of that uh, historical run uh, by Drake men's basketball in the what was it 2007 2008 season but he will join uh, is, uh, us to you know to preview some of that we'll also pick his brain on baseball he's a longtime baseball fan and did you know this that Mike Mahon's family uh, owned the Varsity Theater, the famous Varsity oh, yeah, Theater yeah. in Des Moines uh, that closed up, and that was Mike's family that had that. So maybe a question or two, a memory or two uh, about that coming up here at 1025. All right, Husker fans, Stephen M. Sipple is going to join us today. <laughs> and Big Ten West fans, uh, Sip will join us for his first. He joins us every week during the season. Uh, grateful to have him. Uh, he's been a longtime guest. He's a friend of mine. Full disclosure, as I said when we came on the air on January 2nd, I got a couple of sacred cows. <coughs> Sip's one of them. Mama's another one of them. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of them. Um, you know, until my name comes off of the show and Trent's good, uh, willing to uh, p- go along with me in that regard. So Stephen M. Sipple at uh, 1045, look forward to that. I like to poke the bear a little yeah, bit, too. Yeah, you do. I, Why wouldn't you? It's yes, a great rivalry. Yes. It is I like to rivalry. go with Sip. So Cyclone fans, Hawkeye fans, you kind of roll your eyes. Don't worry. We'll, we'll give it to Sip. We won't let him off too easy. There is a whole lot worse over there than Sip, as you Oh, know. there's no doubt. <laughs> um, that uh, they are card-carrying members of Husker Nation. Uh, Standing for the fight song, Absolutely. clapping along in the press yes, box. Yes, indeed. A picture of Scott Frost somewhere in their home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe beside, Probably their wallet. Yeah, yeah. Maybe beside the Tom Osborne picture. Or, oh, yes. Or who knows? What. Anyways, uh, Sip will join us at 1045. Love talking to Stephen M. Sip when we do on a weekly basis. That means college football is here, which is a good thing. Uh, Zubin Mahente at about 1110. He'll join us in his regular spot uh, from ESPN. And then 1135 or thereabouts, the voice of Iowa State, John Walters, is going to join us. Get a preview on what he expects from next week. Um, a Big 10 media, a Big 12 media days and some Halliburton info. Uh, from, well, not info, but a conversation uh, with John as well before we get out of here at noon. Well, uh, full disclosure, if you've listened to the program, you're probably aware that the Blue Jays are my team, but I don't say that too proudly over the last couple. Well, I'm proud of them. I just don't um, opine on them too much. So what I'm about to say, you have to realize that the Blue Jays are my team. Buster only, give your head a shake. 
Um, this, the Home Run Derby show was stolen by one person last night. It wasn't the winner of the Home Run Derby. The show was stolen by one 20-year-old Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and no one will be able to tell me otherwise. That was... Now, he didn't win, right? Didn't win. Mm-hmm. Didn't seal the deal. What a night. I mean, it just is kind of those... Mm, tricked up contests. Yes, yes. It was pretty good theater, and I turned I turned television off. Not turned TV off. I went to Band of Brothers. I don't know. I had nothing else. And I love Band of Brothers, and hadn't seen it in about no, I don't know, eight, ten months or so. So I thought I'd start right again, back in. Yes. and watch him again. So I got through episode. But then Twitter alerted me that boy, Jock Peterson and Vladimir Guerrero are really putting on a show. So you went back. So I went back. Without the Guerrero angle, without the Blue Jays angle. I wouldn't have watched a minute. You wouldn't have. I would have missed the entire thing. See, I always enjoy the Home Run Derby. Every single year, I get into it. I enjoy it. Sometimes I bet on it. Last night, Alex Bregman. <laughs> oh, you had Bregman? He Bregman. was out in the first round, wasn't he? Was, he was, yeah. 10-1. Yeah. to one. That, that one stung a little bit. Yeah. But, no, I, I just... It's theater. It's something a little mm-hmm. bit different. It's fun. What was Alonzo? Do you remember? What could you have got him at? I think he was 7-1, to one, something seven like to that. One. Yeah, right So in about in the middle of the pack, probably, yep, for him? Yeah. It was, again, another great performance. And much like you mentioned, this is going to be remembered as the Vlad Guerrero coming out. Party. Yeah. 2019, the, we won't remember Alonzo won this No, thing. no. We won't. We'll Pete, remember Pete Vlad Alonso Guerrero. might go on to have a great career. I he, think he will. He's already had three home, 30 home runs, the third rookie ever to do that incredible. in baseball history before the break. Yeah. He is uh, playing at an incredible level. And one but, of three guys this year that have 30, right? Yes. Bellinger, Yelich, yeah, are the other two. But... Much like the home run record that Guerrero Jr. broke in the opening round. Right. Josh, Josh Hamilton. Hamilton. 2008, 7? All-timer. Like Didn't win it that year. No. Josh Morneau, or Justin Morneau won it. Justin Morneau won it. Mm-hmm. But most people don't remember that. No. They will remember Hamilton, though, and that performance that he mm-hmm. put on. And I can remember some of the great runs. No, Jose Abreu had just a, a, a... No, not Jose Abreu. Uh, the other Abreu. Bobby Abreu. Yep. Had a ridiculous mm-hmm. run. I think it was in the opening round. Can't remember what year that was, but... And then people thought it broke a swing because he had like three homers the rest of the year. Well, a lot of people, a lot of guys that slump in the second half, that's what, I don't know, the media or whoever mm-hmm. will, they'll point blame as to, you know, that night at the, that Monday night of the All-Star break, you can trace back the downfall right to there. But we have these memories, and this will be the memory of this home run derby, of what we saw from Guerrero Jr., a guy that... Hasn't burst onto the scene, is that fair no, to say? No, that is fair to say. Look, I don't watch anywhere near the amount of Blue Jays that you would think I do as that's my team. Because if the they Cubs were hanging around, the yeah, if they're hanging well, around 500 if, even. Or, or if, the, if we could talk Blue Jays baseball in this year and not picture um, hands reaching for dials all across central sure. Iowa. Um, but that, that, that's more more the case for me that the Cubs moved the needle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if they were relevant, I would find a way to watch more. But to, to your point, Trent... Vladimir Guerrero has not taken this game by storm yet. You know, he came up and it took him, I don't know, and and maybe this sounds crazy, but it took him longer to hit his first home run than I think a lot of people thought that it would. Mm -hmm. I mean, we expected in his first game to do that. You know, this is the type of hype that arrived with this kid. But last night, if you've, and and look, the Blue Jays aren't on national TV. No. I don't think I know I'm pretty sure last year they didn't have a Sunday night baseball stop. I don't think they do this year. Mm-hmm. Um so we don't get this we as the you know as a country, as a baseball loving country, don't get to see this guy play very often unless they're playing your Royals, they're playing your White Sox, they're playing your twins and you happen to be you know, they be happen to be the team in the other dugout that particular night, you're not gonna see them. 
But man, last night the country saw him, and he is as good as advertised. He destroyed some baseballs. A body type much different than the old man, too. Yeah, it's true. I love the pictures of him when he was at the All-Star Game mm-hmm. as a youngster. Just 2007, a, maybe? Just a chunky little kid out yeah. there doing Kinda his thing. Kind of reminded me of Prince Fielder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When he was out there with Cecil way back in the day. But he is powerful. He is dynamic, and he's still incredibly young. Yeah, 20. And this is a thing that I think we forget with these guys, and, and it's continuing to happen in baseball. Just the early maturity that we see out of baseball players. We were talking the other day, I think yesterday off the air, about Fernando Tatis Jr. And just the ridiculous game he had against the Dodgers, hitting homers, making ridiculous plays. Same thing here. This guy's incredibly young. So for a guy like Guerrero Jr., it's okay to struggle a little bit. There's a long list of players. The game should be difficult, right? That struggled. And a lot of times it's when they're 23, 24, 25. Not 20, 21. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're talking about with some of these guys. And I think... That helps put it into perspective, even when guys get off to slow starts. There's still a lot of baseball in front of them. No doubt about it. Uh, fun to watch last night for the um, you know the, the the time that I did spend watching it. It was it was pretty good drama. So I'm going to guess afterwards you didn't stick around for the slow pitch softball game. I, I never even game. saw the final, to be honest with you. You didn't. And I went back to Band of Brothers and forgot about the uh, the oh, home run no. derby. I did. So it was over <clears throat> after that. You got to see at least a little bit of run. Got well, to see the, him hit the, some bombs. I mean, top, top that, right? I mean, yeah. top the how many how many extra sessions did they have? Three or four? Yeah. I think four in the end, um, but uh, but Jock just going back and forth with uh, Guerrero that that was enough for me. Now tonight I'll watch pitch one and I'll watch the very last one because I love the All Star Game. It's um it's ingrained in me and maybe that's my generation. I don't think we'll ever leave this game. It's by far the best All Star Game of of the four yes, major sports. Yes. I mean the Pro Bowl doesn't even register for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't play the damn thing. The NBA there's no defense played in it. It's okay maybe toward the end. It NHL, can be entertaining. It can be. Yep, I'll give you that. The NHL is better now that they've gone to the 3 on 3 format. They've opened up the ice. You know, 3 on 3 you're not playing defense anyways. You're mm-hmm. you're trying to score. Uh so that has elevated a little bit, but this one stands alone. Yes. Stands alone. It is at the mountaintop. It's not even close and you get, of course, to see the stars in there. But then when you get into the middle innings and guys are like, oh, he is, he's an all-star this yeah. year. You know, there, well, I guess somebody had to be. Right, right. And yeah, you get one from every team. So you got that aspect of it coupled with guys that, boy, I didn't realize he was having that kind of first half mm-hmm. or a guy that was you know, just a career major leaguer and finally put it all together for a first half of a season and, and it comes together. You know who that guy is for me on this all-star, in this all-star game tonight? Kettle Marte. Oh, there's there's what? yes. Who you yeah. are? And you're with who now? <laughs> right. Um, why? I mean, he's starting second baseman for the National League. Get to see Yelich out there uh-huh. or the Brewers, of course. Get to see the two Cubs. I'll be watching Jorge Polanco, the first of many. You know, it's funny, Jorge Polanco. Remember a year ago, he was suspended for the first half of the year. You know what? I forgot about that. Yes, he was a guy yes. that if the Twins weren't terrible last year, wouldn't have been eligible to be on the playoff mm-hmm. roster. Mm-hmm. How quickly were you? You know, I forgot all about that. And how many of those guys there are now that have these things either that happen in the minor leagues or happen earlier in their careers, and it's swept away? Mm -hmm. Now, we're talking about Jorge Polanco. This is not Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds. This is a completely different realm, but this is an all-star. This is a guy that's a really good baseball player. Probably not going to be a shortstop long-term. That's probably not the position that he's going to stick. But at this early part of his career, coming off a year where he missed half the year because of a suspension— is in the All-Star game, and have you seen any stories about it? 
Have you seen conversation nationally no, or regionally? even an inclusion in the story that they're writing about Polanco that uh, back in 2008? No, I, I really haven't. It's interesting. It is. It's, That's is fair this, point. Is this a changing of baseball in the way we see known cheaters? You know what a dirty word that was. Yeah, you know what? Twenty years ago, right? That's just, that's just what I was going to say. Um, the known cheater era is those guys you just referenced, Sammy McGuire. You know Clements. those kinds of yeah, those type of guys. They're the known cheaters. Bonds, not this cast, mm-hmm. not this group that gets. Although maybe maybe their resume isn't complete, and if we looked back in fifteen years, we'd include these guys. I, I don't know, but an interesting point. I'd, I'd forgotten all about that uh, until you mentioned that right here. Um, yeah, I like it. All right, Vinny Iyer joins the program on a, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna have Vinny Iyer on on Thursday. He wrote a really fascinating piece and a really timely piece, I thought. Today, he's uh, Vinny writes for the Sporting News, and if you're an NFL fan, uh, I direct your attention uh, to SportingNews.com and and to uh, Vinny Iyer's as he went through every roster, and he's a really good football guy. He's one of their, I think they've got two maybe. Uh, dedicated NFL writers and Vinny Iyer is one of them. Of course, Vinny, if you've listened to the program, Vinny's the guy that appeared on Jeopardy! Won three rounds? Yes. Yeah. Got knocked out in, and that was in an era where you're only allowed to win five times. Five times. Now, yeah. Vinny wouldn't have qualified to pass that because he got knocked out after three, but he still, you know, won, won three days uh, of this event. And he went through uh, every single team and put a percentage, not on every player. But he looked at the roster, took some of the marquee guys off these rosters, and odds of making it into Canton, Ohio, and the Hall of Fame. Uh, We're going to have him on Thursday. I've spent a lot of time. I'm glad you alerted me to this, because this is a pretty fascinating piece. Hey, it's timely, because we're getting closer all the time. Do you know, by the way, that for sure two teams, they start training camp next Wednesday. Whoa! A week from tomorrow, the 17th of July, the Arizona Cardinals and the Denver Broncos are in camp. And for the Broncos, it's everybody. It's not just rookies and then a week later the vets come in. It's everybody. Flacco, make your way down. Yeah, and I know that they're playing in the Hall of Fame game, and maybe that's why. Mm -hmm. Are they playing Arizona? I don't even know where they're playing. Well, it has to be. Yeah, that's what it usually is. I remember Mm -hmm. the Bears were in it a year previous, and yeah, they got the weak jump because of the early game that they have to play in the fifth preseason Mm -hmm. game that they play with the Hall of Fame game. Von Miller, he's 100% in this. Right, right. Your Tom Brady's are 100%. Sure, Aaron Rodgers, 100%. The first one that was an eye-popper to me is a quarterback. A quarterback that is or isn't at 100%. That is not at 100%. Okay. He's won two uh, Super Bowl rings. Always won two Super Bowl rings. Eli Manning must be the answer. It is Eli Manning. Guess what Vinny Iyer put his percent chance of making the Hall of Fame? Trent, this is going to sound ridiculous because you can't say that if he didn't win those Super Bowls because he did. Yes, right. The only reason we're talking about Eli Manning as a potential Hall of Fame inductee is because of the Super Bowl rings. Plain and simple. But you can't look at his career... And take that out of the equation because that's part of his career. What do I think Vinny Iyer put his Hall of Fame chances at? I don't know. 70? 60? I was thinking 70. If it wasn't 100%. And, and you I just told me it's not. So. And it's not. And, mm-hmm. and there would be plenty of people I know that would make that argument with the two Super Bowl wins, beating the 18-0 uh-huh. Patriots, that he is a lock Hall of Famer. He should be 100%. We can save that argument for another day. But for here and now, Vinny put it out. 
40%. That's crazy. Well, let me me put it this way to you. The big three in that class, correct, were Eli, Mm -hmm. Rivers, Roethlisberger. Yes. Rank those three. For Hall of Fame are just Your Bears need a quarterback. They don't. They finally got their guy. But, you know, who do you think out of that three... I'd still and take two of the three over him right now. I would too, but see, I'm going to try and elevate Rivers to number one because I think he's the best of that trio. Roethlisberger's but what has he done? I mean, what? That's just it. He hasn't got there. You got to get wins. You got to mm-hmm. win playoff games. You got to mm-hmm. get to a Super Bowl. He and hasn't Roethlisberger's done that. won a couple of them. Yes. And Roethlisberger, to me, is the most difficult QB to get on the ground in the entire league. Got to be one. He has. To I be. agree with you. He, he is. I agree because of the rings. He is a pain in the ass. Yeah, he's quarterback. <laughs> yes, good point. But he wins. Mm-hmm. He puts up huge numbers. He does everything that you want. Now, that first Super Bowl, him as a rookie. Right. Yeah, true. true. That was relying on the defense was, and don't sure. screw it up. Sure. That was the Kyle Orton of, of the Steelers there when the Bears had their Who'd 50 they beat that run. year? Seattle? Seattle, yeah. The offsides call? Is that what it was? I don't remember. Yeah, there's something like that in the game. But uh, Ryan Hannum from St. Ansgar and you and I was the tight end for the Seahawks on okay. that team. Talked to Ryan a little bit about that before. He said, still feels they got job here, what, 15, 18 years mm-hmm. later as we go down the road. But, yeah, Eli Manning, as he's a quarterback, three. he's three on the list, but credentials for the Hall of Fame is a different conversation. Those mm-hmm. Super Bowls, boy, they're big. So does Rivers, is Rivers three on the Hall of Fame? Now, what does he have Rivers at? There's the there's a follow-up question. I want to say I I'm looked at that. I'm going to go and try and find him as you speak here. Los Angeles, there it is. All right. Hundred percent, hundred percent. See, that's where I struggle with how Philip Rivers can be a hundred percent and Eli's forty percent. Philip Rivers, I'd have to take a deeper look. I at watch the him a lot, Trent. I, I know love you the do. Guy's game, yeah, I do too. He's I'm got the most unorthodox delivery in all of football. That kooky three-quarter like delivery, almost throwing a dart, shot put, yes, tossing it out there, right? But accurate as all get out, tough. A best player by a mile on some really bad teams. I'm a Rivers guy. I'm a Rivers guy. Philip Rivers' career numbers. Now, Ladanian Tomlinson, I get it. There were there were some guys that that, you know, that were on his team. It wasn't all bad. I get the Tomlinson thing. Sixty four and a half percent completion percentage. Fifty four thousand yards. It's kind of hard to equate that. Three hundred seventy four touchdowns against one hundred and seventy eight picks. So give me Roethlisberger. Give me Eli. Here's that. Eli, 360 touchdowns, 239 interceptions. So way more picks. 60.3% completion percentage versus the Phillip Rivers, which has 64.5. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them is going to run the football. No, not at all. Not going to be uh, yards per completion, 11.7 for Eli, 12.1 for Philip Rivers. I thought it'd be maybe a little bit more substantial, mm-hmm. the difference between the two. The interception numbers are huge for Eli. Yep, Here's but, another thing. Eli, 15 years as a quarterback, has made two Pro Bowls. What does that tell you? I mean, a lot you of get, people look at, uh, at Eli Manning the same way we do. But then he holds up his left hand, then he holds up his right hand, and there's the bling on each one of them. Right. Beating, beating who they beat was important, too. Yes, absolutely. The Patriots, for crying out loud. To stop the 19-0. The, the first ever 19-0, they stopped it. They're able to get it done. Mm-hmm. Crazy, really fun story. Go to the Sporting News. It's, with great, it's a great piece. It's a really good piece. Another thing that popped out, boy, the Vikings got a lot of guys on his list. That are that he thinks have a, have a chance. That are headed to, <clears throat> yeah, they do. Seven guys listed for the Vikings. Now, nobody at 100%. Mm-mm. Harrison Smith is the top guy at 80%. Mm-hmm. 
Love Harrison Smith. Mm-hmm. He's still got work to do, though, to be a Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Probably three more couple re- good seasons, two really good years, and then a couple at the end of his career where he's still a solid player. Yeah, they, they've got seven listed, Trent, and those seven are Bar Griffin, Joseph Thielen, Diggs, and uh, Daniil Hunter, who's really good, by yes, the way. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Smith. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll save that for Thursday. Vinny mm-hmm. Iyer is going to join us on Thursday. It's a really good piece. If you're you know, going through this couple of days here, just jonesing for something to read on sports, and I want to get in later on, maybe to start the 11 o'clock hour. Torin Young? Oh, yes. Help, help me out here. I mean, the, the, I, I was, it was, Iowa State came out, and uh, they told us who they're taking to Dallas. Later on in the day, uh, the Big Ten released the players that are going to be um, accompanying their schools uh, to Chicago, and Nate Stanley makes sense. Sure. You can buy that. Yep. Uh, Moji Moody makes sense. Uh, that was my guy. That was your guy. Yep. The third? No one. Had no. Torn Young going. And speaking of third, is he third on the depth chart at running back? Or he well could be. Maybe second at best? He might be fifth So with the two freshmen yeah, coming two fr- in. So so help me out with this. What what am I missing? Is Has he had a spectacular offseason? I mean, I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's it's used as a reward. We're not there all the time. It's a guy that... Where's Epinesa? Toes the company line? Yeah, but do you know th- I, I got to think. Has Epinesa got in trouble? He's not part of the leadership group. Epi's not? 18 guys are listed as the leadership committee for this year's football team. And he's not one of them. He's not one of them. And it's not all seniors. It's not all upperclassmen. There's also and, young guys. And that's guys. another point. Torn Young's a junior. Yeah, right. You could have taken him next year. If you're going to take a junior, you wouldn't think this would be the time. Epinesa's a top five pick. He's leaving the program after this year. Is it to keep not Torn all Young about around? The, but why? Why? It's kind of like taking sand to the beach so far in his career. Fair point. Uh, Mike Mahon coming up next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Stephen M. Sippel, Lincoln Journal Star, 15 minutes away. We'll talk Big Ten West. For maybe the guy that covers the favorite, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, Stephen M. Simple joins the program. But right now, Mike Mahon uh, has helped us out for many, many years. In fact, he lined up our guy from St. Louis during the Blues run not too long ago, talked blues and cards. And Mike joins us. We've got a major, major event coming up. Uh, at the end of July, uh, July 25th through the 28th at Drake Stadium, the Toyota U.S. Outdoor Track and Field Championships. Mike, did I see in the notes 95 Olympians represent? Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Almost 50 Olympic medals are going to be in our city. How are you, Mike Mahon? Good. First of all, Kenny, appreciate the opportunity to talk uh, with you guys. Enjoy listening to you every day. Yeah, you know, last year at this time when we talked, we had uh, 45 Olympians competing in a meet, and that number is uh, more than uh, double. We're actually at 98 and state more. And of those 98, uh, 45 have earned medals. 48 have actually earned medals, including 25 gold medalists. And then you can stretch that. We have two world record holders, uh, 15 current American record holders, and 25 champions from the recent NCAA outdoor meet. So, I mean, without a doubt, when you're looking at the Tokyo uh, Summer Games uh, next year, 80% of the uh, USA uh, track and field team mm. will be competing at this meet in Des Moines. You know, Mike, it's a great event. You guys have had these track and field events that come to Des Moines. So outside of just the Olympians, what does make this different? What's this? People kind of on the fence want to go to a track event like this but never have been before. What makes this one even bigger in your mind than some of the past that have come through Des Moines? Well, every Olympic period, there's always a changing of the guard. Mm -hmm. Some of the uh, Olympians in their twilight of their career, for instance, Allison Felix is the most decorated uh, a women's Olympian ever. More, she's earned more medals than Jackie Joyner Kersey. Nine Olympic medals, including six. This, in all likelihood, will probably be her last Olympics. She'll be in the women's uh, 400. Well, then you have uh, teenagers that come out of the forefront, whether they be uh, seniors in high school, uh, college freshmen, or sophomores. And so it's always the changing of the guard, and you get a look at the, the athletes that are going to dominate track and field of the next decade or so. On, for instance. Uh, the women's discus thrower from uh, University of Iowa won the NCAA outdoor title uh, last year, uh, Lilang Tusanga. She's one of the top in the uh, U.S. right now. And uh, last year we had five American records set. And uh, this year, I mean, there's going to be potentially double. So it's just a changing of the guard. And what's also, I don't want to ramble too long, but what's unique about this is, you know, you guys have seen near no hitters or no hitters or, basket uh, buzzer game-winning shots or a Hail Mary pass to win the game, there's a rare opportunity for uh, fans from Cincinnati to see a potential world record. I mean, the veteran track and field media around the world think that the, the world record should go down and then four out of hurdles which is scheduled for 425 on the Saturday, uh, July 27th. So Ryan uh, Benjamin has run the third fastest time in the world and it's just uh, 2,400 seconds off the world record set back in 1992. Uh, American record could be set in the men's 100 on Friday night at 750. So it's just a whole thing. I was there. I saw it. It's a can't-miss moment. And the opportunity to have this in our own backyard is spectacular. Yeah, I was going to say, Mike, I, I don't know if um, we as a community re- realize just how important this event is and how big this is on, on a world stage, quite frankly. It's... Um, you know, it, it doesn't get much bigger than this, right? We're, we're now in the rotation. We, being Des Moines, uh, you know, every few years we get the first round of the NCAA tournament, um, which is spectacular. But uh, to have this back here again, I don't think we realize just the magnitude of that uh, of this event, perhaps. Yeah, it's a lot different, Kenny, than last year. This year is a world championship year, and the world championships will be held in uh, Doha, Qatar, September 29th to October 10th. So, the athletes are just running up in the prime of their time, peak performances, and the, the opportunity to see these world-class athletes compete. 
at a world level is remarkable, even from a media standpoint. Guys, if you can believe this, we're going to have over 300 credentialized media from around the world, England, Europe, uh, Tokyo. Right now we have uh, 35 people from uh, media people from Tokyo coming because, you know, good look at the Tokyo Olympic preview. So, Mike, you know us Iowans. We love our own. And there's also a lot of athletes here that have Iowa connections, not just athletes that ran at Drake, you and I, Iowa State and Iowa, but people that grew up here. So tell us a couple of those Iowa names that people be excited about and get to see on the Blue Oval. Well, Shelby Houlihan's the first person you want to talk about, native of Sioux City, dominated the high school track and field when she ran at East High School. She ran on the 2016 Olympics. Last year she became just the second person ever to win the 1,500 and the 5,000 at the U.S. Championship. She's back to defend both those titles. A month after she ran in Des Moines, she set an American record in the women's 5,000. Uh, Jenny Simpson was born in Webster City. She'll be there in the women's 1500. Carissa Schweitzer competed at Dallin Catholic. She's either going to run the 1500 or 5000. Uh, Eric Swinski uh, trains in Iowa City. He's a three time U.S. indoor champ. He'll be in the men's 800. And the guy you got to watch for is Kenny Big Derrick. He was a freshman this past year at Indian Hills Community College in Ottumwa. He became only the second person in world history to run a sub uh, 20 second 200 in a sub. 45 second 400 on the same day what's he do after his freshman year he turns pro he's now training in uh uh florida and uh, he's going to challenge for both the titles on the 200 and the 400 and uh as brandon carnes was a sprinter you and i alex wilson the assistant coach you and i she's going to be in the women's uh, steeplechase and iowa state uh, graduate hillary Bohr was a 2016 olympian and they're being the uh, men's uh, 3000 steeple among the top contenders Hmm. You know, you mentioned those those uh, the changing of the guard. Is there one or two, maybe a man and a woman that um, we might not know their names now, but I mean, maybe one of them's the next Carl Lewis uh, per se, or even a Lolo Jones because she was at the top of um, uh, for a long time as well. And sadly, you know, that one hurdle is what we're going to remember her career for because that was seemingly her year to win it. But is there a name or two, a man or a woman that we don't know now? But by golly, once we uh, get to the the Olympics next year in Tokyo, we'll all be standing up and cheering for him. Well, last year, Noah Lyles was 19 years old. He set two meet records in one in one day in the men's 100-meter uh, dash. He's 20 years old now. He's ranked number one in the world in the 100, ranked uh, number uh, one in the world in the 200. He's the guy that's going to go after the American record in the 200, and uh, he's aiming for his first Olympic team. He's somebody to watch. Sidney uh, McLaughlin. Uh, made the U.S. Olympic team in 2016 as a 16-year-old. She's going to be among the top uh, runners to watch in the women's 400. But uh, Rye Benjamin, I mentioned, going after that world record in the men's 400 on that Saturday. Uh, Noah Lyles uh, in the men's 100 and 200. Those are names to watch that uh, will be out there the next two uh, Olympic cycles to contend for gold medals. Uh, Mike Mahon is our guest. Mike, uh, I want to I want to ask you about uh, the varsity theater. So we'll do that in a second. So let let's finish up the uh, the track and field championships, twenty fifth to the twenty eighth. Tickets are available where, Mike, and can you buy? Uh, is is there a you know a weekend long pass? Do you know about those opportunities? Yeah, you can buy entire sessions. The best thing to do for fans <clears throat> is go to uh, Drake Ticks, tix.com slash USATF. You can buy individual sessions or you can buy a pass for all four sessions. DrakeTix.com, TIX slash USATF. Hmm. 
Uh, Mike, as, uh, I don't have to tell you this, but it certainly got a lot of publicity and a lot of people very sad. The, the Varsity Theater, which was owned by your family and owned for, by your family for a long time. It first opened uh, in 1938. Uh, closed the door for the uh, final time. A, uh, a, a Des Moines institution, quite frankly. What will you most remember about uh, your family's Varsity Theater? Well, the loyal uh, customers we've had, you know, we have a email based over 5,000 loyal fans. Some, you see a lot of fans see a popular movie uh, as many as four or five times uh, a season. I think we had the reasonable ticket prices. People enjoyed it. They always uh, enjoyed the popcorn, best popcorn in central Iowa. Mm. It was family-owned business. It was really, we, we treated each customer loyal. And my father always wanted to play movies that, that mattered. Uh, you could have an action picture, but movies that matter. People came out and they were talking about the movie. And, uh, you know, you go by the theater, it's hard to fathom that that theater holds as 400 seats. And, it, mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, I grew up, you know, selling tickets, learned my math. I learned my <laughs> PR by being customer-friendly, selling concessions, and, you know, ran the, ran the projectors. And he, he had a couple of other theaters in town. And uh, there were movies that I saw so many times in the projected booth. I could memorize the lines. For instance, we played the movie The Sting, Robert Redford, Paul Newman. Played that close to 10 months. It was such a popular movie back in 1971. Great stuff, Mike. Uh, Certainly missed by a lot of people, a lot of longtime residents, and uh, like I say, a Des Moines institution. Mike, thank you for coming on July 25th through the 28th. TheRightTix.com for more information. Uh, You can get your tickets there. It's going to be a terrific event. It is a... Uh, world-class event right here in our backyard coming up the final weekend in July. Mike, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us over the years. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you down the road, my friend. Hey, keep up the good work, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Thanks, Mike, Mike. Hang on. Uh, joining us again, 25th through the 28th at Drake Stadium. Catch Des Moines has more details on that as well. All right, a Big Ten West conversation. The favorites. The betting favorite. The betting favorite. Have you seen those odds yet in any casinos in Vegas? I've seen conference odds. No, I haven't I seen division odds yet. I don't though. know if I have. That's uh, usually a little bit deeper into the summer mm-hmm. before we get them. I bet somebody's got them up. I bet somebody did if we looked. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everybody loves them, Trent. They're they the have girl the national with the brand. Girl. They do. Even though it's two decades removed. Right. They still have that. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin took a big step back and... I make the argument it's the start of a downward trend. You know how else you're hearing that about, but I don't know how many times we're going to be wrong before we finally realize, look, at, don't sell this Northwestern team uh, short. Yeah, yeah. Year after year, big, big downtick. Finally coming back. This is it for Fitz. We and, talked about the Gophers yesterday. <clears throat> really good piece in the Athletic on the Gophers, uh-huh. by the way, team preview. If you're an Athletic subscriber and you're a fan of college football, you're trying to decipher the Big Ten West, really good piece on the Gophers. Maybe Purdue makes that next step. Rondell Moore's going to Chicago. Yes, he is as a sophomore. Uh, the right thing. That's Ricky Neal in the middle, and I, I, I don't remember who else. But the media wants to hear from Rondell Moore. The national media wants to do a Rondell Moore piece. And two quarterbacks in the whole Big Ten. Nate, Nate Stanley. Stanley. Who's the other one going? Shay Patterson's not going. Shay Patterson's not going. Well, he's got his burner accounts on Twitter. He's got to figure that I out instead. That. Yeah, I saw. Martinez going. I think it might have been Martinez, yeah. Uh, Stephen M. Simple, help us out next. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Time for our first of, well, many conversations with Stephen M. Sippel from the Lincoln Journal Star. He covers Nebraska football. Uh, is Nebraska picked by most publications to represent the Big Ten West? He joins us, Sip, Trent, and Ken. Good to talk to you, my friend. How are you? Yeah, good to be back with you guys. I appreciate it. Well, we, I always like being in the morning. And we appreciate you coming on. We look forward to seeing you next uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in, uh, in Chicago at Big Ten Media Day. So, Sip, as I, as I mentioned, uh, most publications have Nebraska as the team to beat in the Big Ten West. Is it warranted in your mind? That's the big question. I mean, I, it's, I, I have found it to be, I guess, perplexing. Uh, from just from my standpoint, everybody looks at these things a little different. But I, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, Nebraska has a lot of unknowns. I, I'm sure you could say the same thing about the Hawkeyes, Cyclones, whoever you deal with. But Nebraska is, I mean, there's just a lot that has to kind of fall into place for them to have that type of season. And there's a lot of guys that need a lot. The the, the list of guys who really you would kind of classify as unproven at a high level is really long. So it just, again, I'm, it's, it's been a little bewildering to see it in my opinion. You know, Sip, I do like the talent of this roster, what they brought in a lot of the young guys out there, but it's still that a lot of young talent, a lot of guys, freshman, sophomore campaigns, and the big Ten's not exactly the place that to be learning on the job. It was four and eight a year ago certainly going to be better than that I, I anticipate but the jump from four and eight to say a nine and three ten and two type of season I think that's a lot more significant than a lot of Nebraska people are are kind of thinking right now yeah I mean it's and actually it's back you know it's back to back four and eight yeah good point so there I mean there's there's a lot of you know it wasn't just a one-year dip it hasn't been really a one-year dip here so is it all just going to get back? Now here's the thing: that you have to. There's a few things you have to acknowledge. The schedule, the schedule is uh, more forgiving. I mean, you have some very tough games. I mean, you have Wisconsin at home, Iowa at home, Northwestern at home, Ohio State on your home field, um, Wisconsin on your home field. Now, see that that that's a lot. Now, from that standpoint, it's not as bewildering. Mm-hmm. The schedule is. Uh, manageable. Mm-hmm. It is. It's forgiving. Last year it wasn't really forgiving. This year it is pretty forgiving. The other way it makes sense, as long as we're just trying to make sense of it, is obviously the quarterback. We don't really have to expand on right. that. Everybody knows. Um, anybody who watched the game in Iowa City, for instance, last November knows of his prowess. Um, and then the frost factor is huge. And a lot of people are, are, are kind of they're looking at what happened at Central Florida in year two and thinking Frost has the formula and now frost on the other hand has, has i don't want to say tempered expectations but he had you know the key quote of the summer in my opinion they did a what they call the big red blitz and you know fred hoiberg and bill moose and and scott went around the, or a few places around fred the who and, <laughs> mayor. <laughs> um i'm meeting with fred today by the way nice and, and the uh the they went around the state and the, one of the things frost had really caught my attention and that was, he said the words, we're a long way from where we want to be, but we're going to be a lot better this year than we were last year. So now, that's it. I mean, to me, that's, you can really 
he, you can really dive into that quote, parse it. It's interesting. They, they're not, I mean, this is not a top 10, anywhere near a top 10 team, in my opinion. Um, and that's what he's talking about. That's where they want to be. Um, but they are going to be better than last year. I think we all agree uh, what, what what the key is, is just how much better. Mm-hmm. And the crossovers, you alluded to it, Sip. I mean, sure, the Ohio State, but the two teams you didn't say, Indiana uh, and Maryland, and you'd sign for those two as, as part of the crossovers uh, in any single year. So I want to ask you this, Sip. Offensively, and then we'll ask the same question defensively. Which unit? I would guess it would be receivers. I mean, Stanley Morgan graduates. I think they can run the football. We know that the quarterback is elite. Uh, offensive line is, I, I think, going to be okay. But on the offensive side of the football, what's the biggest concern unit-wise? Oh, I would say, I think you identified it initially, the receiver position, losing someone as productive as Stanley Morgan, not only, you know, just the fact that he was an, he was a thousand yard receiver, but just body. I mean, he was a bigger body and he's not a huge guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's about, I don't know, I want to say six one, but for Nebraska, I mean, Nebraska just doesn't have a lot of big bodied receivers and he was a physical kind of a physical presence. That's, and then, then that receiver, they have J.D. Spielman, who's, who's, who, in my estimation, is a big-time player. I mean, he had six, I think he had 66 catches last year. And tough and SOB, too, Sip. Oh, yeah, J.D. is a great player. He gets overlooked. He even gets overlooked here a little bit, which is mildly perplexing to me. Um, but I, I think the world of him as a player, um, he, he will have to be a go-to guy. They do have a couple of transfers that you guys need to know about. Kanawai Noah is a transfer from Cal. He's a receiver. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is the second leading receiver when it's all said and done for Nebraska. Kanawai Noah is not, he's not, you know, he's not a big body receiver, but he's a tough kid. Um, he'll help replace Stan, I think. I think he's a guy that can, I mean, he's, I think he has 76 catches in his career at Cal. Um, he, he can get you 50 catches, and he's probably, they're probably going to need him to get him 50 catches, I think. Um, and then, now here's the thing switching to running back. It's there's an it's an you know the Maurice Washington thing is ongoing that creates a little bit of tension, but what helped it was Dedrick Mills getting eligible. What helped relieve some tension was Dedrick Mills, um, who was a, who was at Garden City, Kansas, uh, junior college last year, um, is eligible. He he he's the guy, of course, that had a big year as a freshman in 2016 at Georgia Tech. Paul Johnson went so far as to say when he when he kicked him off the team that it was a bad deal because he thinks he was kicking the best player they mm-hmm. had off the team. If not one of the, he said one of the best players, if not the best player we have. All you got to do is look at the video. He ran for 776 yards. Um, I would not say he's unproven. He he showed plenty. Of, he was the leading rusher at Georgia Tech, um, and I like him. I, I, I'd watch him. I, I think he's 1300 yards. I think he could get 1300. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all watching this film if he did it. He's got, and I think they're going to lean on him pretty hard. Hmm. How about defensively, Sip? They should be better. What unit uh, concerns you there? Is, is, is it up front maybe? I, I mean, I think no, the defense is better. No, no the linebackers are – I, I'd say uh, that's where your, your concern is. Uh, no, I think, you're be- I think the defense will be better. Um, again, it's just like the team. It's a question of just how much better. You know, no, they – I mean, they have to be better. They were one. Of, they were. They were pretty bad last year most of the time. Um, 
they they couldn't stop the run. They gave up five yards a carry. Um, they're giving up two hundred yards a game on the ground. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna win ten games doing that. Um, but I think they're they feel pretty good about their front three and the three four. You know, they're down linemen. They have six guys that they feel good about. And there you go. I mean, that helps a lot. Secondary, I really like, and I real I think the corners they might have the two. They might have the best corner tandem in the Big Ten. That's going out on a limb a little bit, but they're those guys. DiCaprio, Boodle, and Lamar Jackson were playing really good at the end of last, really good football at the end of last year. Linebackers, though, they're they don't they don't they don't have depth. And what they have is, you know, I mean, what they have is Mo Berry, who who's a good who's a good Big Ten linebacker for sure. Next to him is a pretty inexperienced junior, Colin Miller. And behind them, they only have one other scholarship. They only have one other veteran scholarship player, and he's coming off a major knee injury. So depth is a major concern. And an outside linebacker, they just don't have the kind of playmakers that – they don't have any proven playmakers. I mean, they're in, – in Nebraska, we make a big deal out of guys who have one sack. I mean, it's the, – they, 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 they need just – I believe that the, in the three, four, those outside guys, those outside linebackers, have to be your home run hitters, and they just don't have. They don't. They don't appear to have a home run hitter right now. One sack that that probably shouldn't get you a black shirt if you can only get one sack. Hey, uh, Sip, last thing for you for me, and it just deals with the overall look at this team. Zach Duvall, the strength and conditioning coach, came in with Coach Frost. He was with him at Central Florida, hearing a lot of positive things there, and and going back to the oh, Halcyon yeah. days of, of the '90s and the way that they built their program that way. I think it's very simple. Like skill position, obviously love the quarterback with Adrian Martinez, but can this team be physical enough to win at a high level? Well, that again, these are all things that kind of wind back. That's a, that question, Trent, sort of winds back to our original, your original question, Kenny's original question of do they really merit the sort of consideration um, – that they're getting in the preseason by by all, virtually all the preseason publications, are they are are they going to take a jump up that way? I don't. I mean, that's what I don't know. I, I'd be really presumptuous of me to sit here right now and say, "Oh yeah, I definitely think so." I know you'll hear guys do that, but how, I'm not going to say it. I mean, I've, I've been saying that kind of crap around here for 15 years. I want to see it. You know, I mean, I. I want to see them be more physical. I, I want to see them not get pushed around by Iowa. I want to see it up front. You saw the first half last year. I mean, the Browns was getting pushed around. I was I was not even a good rushing team. They were getting what they wanted in the first yeah. half, not as much the second half. But they were get pretty much getting what they wanted, running, you know, just basic power and stretch plays. Same same with Wisconsin until they can. Until they can tackle Jonathan Taylor, I'm not going to get on the radio and say, "Yeah, I think they're going to be real physical this year." I mean, I want I want to see it, and that's what I don't know. But I tell you this, yeah, I mean the two the two key figures, in my opinion, are in this whole conversation are Frost, who I have a ton of confidence in, and Zach Duvall, who I have a ton of confidence in. Now, will it all what will it look like in year two? Well, like Scott said, they got a long way to go to get to where they want to be. 
Stephen M. Sippa, Lincoln Journal Star. We are out of time. Sip, uh, appreciate you coming on. See you next week and uh, look forward to our weekly conversations uh, that will be getting very soon. Thanks, Stephen M. Have a great week. All right. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Stephen M. Sippa, Lincoln Journal Star. I would give it to him today. No, well, he's, it's summertime. It is. Uh, Zuba Mahente, John Walters, part of the 11 o'clock hour, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO.